0: Good morning, dear friends and saints, blessed Epiphany, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Today is Thursday, January 11th, and you're listening to the program where each weekday morning we explore the Holy Scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. This morning we're opening up Ephesians chapter 4. And in this part of his letter, Paul commands the Ephesians to live in unity as members of one body in Christ. He reminds them that God has gifted each believer for building up the church. Therefore, they should put off their old selves and put on their new selves in Christ, speaking truth and living righteously. Paul then instructs the Ephesians and all believers to not grieve the Holy Spirit, but to be kind and compassionate and forgiving toward one another just as God forgave them through Christ. He warns us all to not fall back into our old ways, but to continue growing in the knowledge of Christ and living as children of light. Dear friends, thank you for listening. Whether you're catching us on the air in St. Louis or online at KFUO.org or through the KFUO app or your favorite smart speaker or podcasting app, boy, there are so many ways that you can keep up with the show. But it doesn't matter to me how you tune in. I'm just glad you're here. So settle in, open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is graciously supported in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. You know them. I talk about them every show. They translate, publish, and distribute books that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Reformation-driven. Please, when you get some time, go visit them at lhfmissions.org. That's lhfmissions.org. And if you have any comments or questions about today's show... You can email me at PastorBoo at gmail.com. I regularly get emails from listeners like you. You can also find me on Facebook. Come and send me a friend request. Send me a message. That's okay. You can also call in. Uh, You can call in at 800-730-2727. Ask your comment or give your comment or ask your question on the air. Well, joining us this morning is the Reverend Michael Shurman, pastor of University Lutheran Church in Champaign, Illinois. Good morning, Pastor Shurman, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good morning. It's good to be with you. I say welcome back because, well, it's been a little while since you've been on the program. In fact, it's been uh, years, but, you know, I'm, I'm so happy. I know you're on a few other KFEO programs, but since this is your first time with me, would you just take a moment and, Tell us all a little bit about yourself and your ministry and how God is working through University Lutheran Church.
1: Sure, I'd be glad to. So, I'm the pastor of University Lutheran Church, like you mentioned. We are a congregation um, right next to, practically on, the campus of the University of Illinois, Urbana Champaign. Uh, We are a uh, district central illinois district of the l c m s campus ministry mission, so um mostly what I do is is bring the word and the sacrament and the the consolation and sometimes the exhortation of God's Word to uh especially students here at the University of illinois it's a very it's a big ten school right very large Uh, school, uh, 56,000 plus students. So there's a lot of students here from all over Illinois and all over the world. And we uh, are here to make sure that certainly the the LCMS Lutheran students who are here have a place to go to hear the word and be uh, in in fellowship in Christ with one another, but also uh, for the sake of reaching out to uh, all the others who don't know Christ or maybe have a very you know loose connection to Christ and his church and uh, so that's that's what we do and it's it's been a tremendous blessing we've uh, been uh, having people come in our doors all the time wanting to know about uh what the bible teaches um we just confirmed six people here a, a few weeks ago six students who all went through instruction and then the seventh was actually confirmed back at home he went through instruction here but then was confirmed actually at Trinity Lutheran uh ministries there near St. Louis in Edwardsville so um, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, joyful task that we have here it's hard sometimes too but it's a, it's a great thing to to be here and and seeing and 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 experiencing the work of of God through his word in the lives of so many people here Wow, that does sound like you have a lot of uh, good and gracious work going on, keeps you
0: busy. I like to stay busy, so I don't know if you're anything like me, it's it's good to be busy, keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> and I'm yes, so grateful right. to hear all the great things that God is doing through you. Well, I'll tell you what, brother, you know, we have a great topic today. I mean, Ephesians 4 is a fantastic, I mean, all of Ephesians is great, so practical, even for us today. But Ephesians 4 talks about some stuff that's going to be really useful. Before we just dive into it, though, we should bathe all of what we're doing in prayer And so I'd like to invite you to begin with prayer.
1: Certainly. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have given us your word that what we might all be built up into the one body in Christ. Now, as we consider what you have delivered to us through your Apostle Paul to in his letter to the Ephesians, we pray that you would strengthen our faith, encourage us, and build us up, as you have promised to do, that we might confidently rejoice in the forgiveness that we have together in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, last time we were together, we dealt with
0: chapter 3. And we ended with Paul's prayer uh, that the, the saints in Ephesus and, of course, the saints who everywhere who might encounter this letter, that they would have spiritual strength. He talked about how they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled with the fullness of God. Today, we shift gears a little bit, or I should say he does, to talk about unity in the body of the church. And then that's going to spill over into unity in the household of Christians, and that'll be tomorrow's topic. But this morning, is there anything that you want kind of to set the stage, anything you want the people to know before we read our
1: text? Um, well, I think your 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 summary that you've given uh, very well summarizes uh, what we're going to be considering, which is this notion of unity that we have uh, all as uh, members of one body of Christ and, uh, um, and, and the ways in which Christ, through his church, um, brings us, you know, into that unity or, or completes us as well, as we'll discover in a bit. So I think that's probably the thing to keep in mind as we hear the, hear the word. And as we discuss it is this, this idea of unity. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read the
0: first six verses. It's always hard to divide these things up, but that's where we're going to start. Um, obviously, if you want to add or subtract from that, that's okay. But beginning with chapter four, verse one. who is over all and through all and in all. All right, so pausing there, um, you know, this is more than just a great Bible verse to put on the cover of a bulletin for a baptism. (laughs) You know, this is uh, some pretty intense stuff for those people. I mean, the idea that Jews and uh, Gentiles are members of one body called by one spirit, that was pretty radical in Paul's day. I think we take that for granted, but starting at the top, walk
1: us through this, brother. you know what's Paul getting at? yeah, so there's a couple key words we should see um, and the first keyword word I suppose is where what Paul is urging them to do. This is kind of the uh overarching uh word um really for the whole, one one of the overarching words for the whole chapter, and that's this word walk, so Paul is urging the Ephesians and the recipients of his letter to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And it's, it's tempting to think that, uh, immediately here, Paul is exhorting or, 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 giving law basically like telling, telling the Ephesians. So here's what you have to do. And I think that's, that's the wrong way to go with this notion of, of walk. Instead, this is uh, more of a, a word that should depict the, the life of faith that the ephesian christians have and maybe it's a maybe it's a subtle distinction i mean certainly when we live our life there is living that is happening we're doing something but but the distinction i want to make is that this isn't something that we are going to work ourselves up to uh this walk or the unity as we'll get to in a moment but instead it's something that god is actually uh has given to us is is doing in us and then therefore we are Living that life to which we have already been called to and that life that we have already been called to is What Paul is getting at? um, especially in when he reminds the Ephesians and us of this kind of oneness that we have that he kind of poetically portrays in verses 4 through 6 well, and this
0: concept, too, is something we're going to hear again and again. We're, we're covering Ephesians, then Philippians, then Colossians. And okay. so in Philippians, we're going to hear again in chapter one, uh, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. We hear in Colossians also in chapter one. So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to be pleasing to him. Uh, even in chapter two, as you receive Christ in the Lord, so walk with him. Yeah, and that word uh, peripateo in the Greek it, it means to walk, you know, in its most basic sense. Of course, it also has that connotation of conducting oneself, but it also means journey. And I think that kind of illustrates a little bit what you're talking about. Yes, of course, we could easily try to make the focus on us and our walking, our journeying. But if we think of it as being led on a journey, which is exactly what is going on when Christ calls us to faith, he, he you know, <laughs> through forensic justification he declares us righteous but but then we walk this journey of faith where we learn to trust him more and more as we become more mature in the faith that we've been given so yeah i also like that kind of journey take this journey in a manner that's worthy of the calling you've been called on this journey and then he gives us some examples with the humility gentleness patience bearing with one another etc
1: yes and and all of these of course are uh, first and foremost christ like or christ qualities right i mean we see all these things humility gentleness or meekness is another way you could translate that word patience uh bearing with one another these are all things that first and foremost christ has done and continues to do for the world for his people and for for all of the world right um uh, who 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 uh bears with uh all of his creatures uh more than god himself right who is um long-suffering right and uh, not long-suffering like he's suffering but he is he is bearing with and patiently uh, waiting on us uh, as we in our weakness in our sin go astray uh, and as his holy spirit works to to call us back to a a rightly ordered relationship with him that is one that trusts in his promise of forgiveness but then also trusts in his goodness and his even his law as a as a good guide and ordering for our lives absolutely
0: i mean and these things of course also match what the fruits of the spirit are in galatians i mean not one for one but we get the same idea Uh, We're not covering Galatians in this little study of Paul's epistles. Uh, My friend uh, Tim Apple will be covering that on Sharper Iron, I think, pretty soon. But in Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we see some of this, right? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain unity. The question I have is that if we were to go and just sort of randomly find someone who does not believe, uh, and ask them to describe, you know, use use sort of uh, this imagery to describe what you think a Christian is. I wonder if they would come up with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I And I say that kind of knowing the answer, right? I mean, right. we don't really do a great job at this, I think, as a whole.
1: Yeah, it's an ongoing the struggle is real, right? It's an ongoing, uh, action or on, ongoing struggle. Let's use that word that, uh, that Christians have like Paul portrays that in, in, in Romans seven, right? Where he talks about the, that, that struggle within his flesh between the law of his flesh and the, the, the spirit, the law of God that's, that's at work in him. And, um, yeah, yeah, we 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 are we are weak, right? This is why it's so important. It's actually, I think. Here's the thing. I think it's why it's so important not to see this ex this passage from Paul as as strictly exhortation, right? If if we if we hold this out as okay, now get to it, um, it's going to be uh, an oppressive text from from God here, and uh, something that 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 we find ourselves. Uh, bearing up under and and eventually just growing completely unhappy and dissatisfied because we can't we can't do it like I, I cannot uh, in my own um, power uh, accomplish what God is what Paul uh, God through Paul is is telling me here uh, encouraging me to be and do but but if I if I recognize that this is something that I am if if I may use the word empowered. To do by the working of god's holy spirit in me which he has given to me in baptism which he has given to me when he called me to faith and gave me a new heart and and a a will that uh loves his law and, and loves his promises then i i can i i don't know rest easy i suppose or easier in knowing that uh that that god is is carrying me along in this uh god is is working in me In order to in order that I might uh, more better better reflect the uh, the this high calling that he has called me to one which not only of course absolutely trusts in Christ for salvation and recognizes my righteousness is not my own it is a gift of God in Christ to me but at the same time um, my calling is one where I, I, I am to now live out the 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 life that, that God has given me, we don't do a great job at it. And I, and I agree with you. I do wonder sometimes how much someone who doesn't know who doesn't believe the, the wonderful promises of God, but also the, the very real description of mankind that God gives us in his word, right? That we are weak. Um, a Christian ought not be surprised when we fail at this and when we flee back to Christ but a non-christian is going to see us failing at this and think oh well those hypocrites right um whether whether that's his own idea or an idea that's that's been kind of implanted in him by by the world's kind of caricaturing of christians as just uh you know hypocrites basically right people who think that they're holier than thou uh that's that's not a true image um unfortunately sometimes people do portray that image in their lives, but that's probably, I would charitably say through a misunderstanding of what God calls us to as Christians or a misunderstanding of what, who, and what Christians truly are.
0: Uh, Yes, and I I agree. And I think your point is well made. Um, Although I guess I would push back a little bit saying that as a pastor who's been in the church his whole life and then has been involved with the Lutheran church for, you know, 20 years, Um, I've experienced in great quantities the lack of humility, lack of gentleness, lack of patience, lack of bearing with one another in love, not trying to maintain the unity, but dividing oneself over everything from worship practices to uh, the most minor doctrinal issues. I look at my Facebook page, and sometimes the pastors act in a way that is not very humble or gentle. So, I I mean, I'm just going to be real open about it, and I just think that we as a church body – When Jesus says things like go and sin no more, when Paul says walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you're called, I I understand the desire not to make people miserable in the idea of trying to seek to do things that that their weak and sinful human flesh would never be able to do perfectly. But we won't we don't want to fall off on the other side of the horse that says, so don't worry about it because Jesus will just forgive you. And I think that is where that caricature of Christians becomes
1: real. Yeah, I I I agree with you there. Yeah. We <laughs> it's very easy for our uh, us to give in to our sinful flesh. And and any out is going to be gladly apprehended.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's talk about unity though, because that's where he moves Here. into with four. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to, one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father and all who's over all and through all and in all. So we look at that text and we we see the unity and we love it. In the context, the contemporary context of Ephesians, he's obviously wrestling with this big contention of Jews versus Gentiles. But I also see this today while we desire, you know, uh, despite popular belief, the LCMS is a very ecumenical seeking church body, right? We want to join together with other Christians, but we want to join together in truth, not just yes. toss out things to, to, to put you know, unity on paper. Yes. But with that said, I, 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 I guess I, I, I lament with so many others how divided the church has become. And so this one body, this one spirit, while I believe he's mostly talking about Jews and Gentiles, this is certainly a message for us. As the world becomes more and more hostile toward Christianity in general, even if it's just a character of that Christianity, I think that's more and more um, uh, impetus for us as churches to reach out to one another and find ways in which we can become more unified.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I think so. I, I was reading in, in preparation for, for this conversation. I was reading through Thomas wingers recently, fairly recently, I guess it was a few years ago now published commentary in the CPH Concordia commentary series on Ephesians. And he, I, And I have no idea if this is, uh, an original thought for for Dr. Winger, or if, if he's pulling it from somewhere, I, I can't remember. I'm sure he he shares whether it's his thought or it comes from somewhere else in the commentary. But I just don't remember. But he he talks about this difference between um, the the unity that would be a Latin word, unitas or unitas, um, which is probably what we're getting at here, or what I think for sure what what Paul is getting at here. And this is this unity that is just one of uh, kind of being like, in other words, look what Paul says in four five and six, one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. So Paul's uh, reminding us that, the, that us we as Christians exist as those who are who are one because of who we are. Right Not because of what we do, but because of who we are, or maybe even better put, because of god of who God made has made us to be right we we baptized into Christ, have put on christ 's righteousness. Um, think about that image in revelation seven uh, that that where John sees um, who are these, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So it's, it's everyone shares this righteousness in Christ that God has called us into Christ. So that's that unitas, right? right? Um, and, and, and Winger draws the distinction between that sort of unity and then Concordia, which is a, also a unity, but it, that is a unity of, of doctrine. And Paul here is not talking about that unity of doctrine per se, uh, later, he will actually. I think in, in the latter half of Ephesians four, he, he talks about that. But um, uh, I think it's helpful to keep those distinctions in mind. Um, thinking about, of course, the the church, the early church that Paul is addressing, but even our church today, like you say, which is that um, a, a church that you know on on the surface appears divided, and when it comes to that concordia unity we are divided right we have differences of teaching we have differences of confession about what the scriptures say but as christians that is those who have been baptized into christ those who have been given the holy spirit those who have uh, been given a faith and trust in the in the the, the certain promise the the fulfilled promise that our sins are paid for by Christ instead of by our own works. We have a unity, even if we disagree on uh, some of the the teachings of the scriptures. That's not to downplay that disagreement of the teachings. But uh, a a right seeking of unity is going to be uh, us Christians treating each other as Christians. Uh, Winger has a quote from Herman Zassa uh, if I may read it, it here's what Zassa says as the spirit cannot be divided so Christ cannot be divided and so also his body cannot be divided it is thoughtlessness to say the least if one speaks of the divisions between earthly church organizations as divisions of the body of Christ Paul when speaking of the schisms at Corinth does not speak of divisions of the body of Christ and I think that's a good insight about the letter to the Corinthians but also here that the reminder is actually you are one even if you have let's say differences of teaching uh, to a certain extent of course eventually there is a, a division and that's when the gospel is denied right that is when when Christ's merit and forgiveness as sufficient for us is 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 denied or or downplayed. And uh, that's also what we Lutherans confess in uh, Augsburg Confession 7, right? That uh, the, that, that, that the church is where the gospel that is not just the forgiveness of sins, but that is the word of God that, that confesses sin and salvation is, is not taught rightly or purely. That's where there is a division in, in the body of Christ, but where, where the, the gospel and the understanding of sin and forgiveness is rightly there. There is no division, even if it looks to be, or even if it is in terms of our confession of teaching.
0: Yeah, and I think Wingert makes a good point, and so do you as you bring in Saucy and others. Of course, you know, and I say this completely drenched in the irony that it is, if only Wingert would leave a church body that he belongs to, which rejects most of the Bible.
1: yeah, let me, let me, this is Thomas Winger, oh, who is not uh, actually in fellowship with us, right? He is a uh, president of uh, St. Catherine's Seminary. Uh, I'm glad Canada. that you clarified yeah, yeah. that for me. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I was thinking of Timothy Winger, yep, um, yep. who's
0: also a great scholar, and I do wish that he would join us, but anyway. Um, okay, yep. so thank you for that clarification. You're welcome. Well, um, we are going to read just a little bit more, but then we're going to have to take a break, and we'll come back and talk about it after the break. So uh, starting with verse And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves of our sorry waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Folks, that's what we're going to unpack when we get back from our break. So don't go anywhere. Pastor Sherman and I, and we'll continue. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend Michael Shorman, pastor of University Lutheran Church in Champaign, Illinois. And don't forget, folks, that you can contact me at PastorBoo at gmail.com or on Facebook with your questions, comments, and more. In fact, if you send me a message during the show to any of those uh, means, right, email or Facebook, I can get your question out on the air. Now, if you'd like to just call in and ask it yourself, you can do that. Here's the number. Are you ready? 800-730-2727. All right, Pastor Schumer, before the break, yes, I read some text. We kept on going, and uh, now we're looking at some, I guess, some interesting statements that I definitely think need to be expounded upon, um, not the least of which is this parenthetical statement of in saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? um start wherever you want but I definitely want to make sure we get to that
1: okay (laughs) well let's let's start there um because then I'd like to uh get on to this that that the stuff that comes after that um okay sounds good yeah yeah so um what what Paul's moving into is uh kind of getting at the importance of the incarnation of Christ for us so when we talk about the incarnation this is the the son of god the second person of the trinity taking on our flesh right becoming man and he became man i mean not just because he wanted to just for, for any any old reason but for a very particular reason in order to uh fulfill the law for us to take on our our sin and then to uh be able to uh die for that sin uh, a perfect sacrifice right the, the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world he he did that for us so uh he descended into the lower regions of the earth i i take that to be paul talking about um the incarnation and and setting that in contrast to where he's he's really kind of going here which is to the ascended or exalted glorified christ raised from the dead and 40 days after the resurrection ascended into heaven seated at the right hand of God. So Christ's session at the right hand of God has to do with the, the exercising of by Christ of all authority in heaven and on earth that has been given to him uh, from the father. And so uh, that's how I take this in saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things and and why because now he's going to pour out gifts Um, and in other places uh, paul talks about other gifts that christ pours out but here he's talking about particular gifts that christ pours out for the sake of building up the body of christ in this oneness in this unity
0: i think that's a uh, very well very well uh, expounded upon so let's move on in then to the the next part because we have apostles prophets evangelists, the as i like to read it pastor teachers or shepherd teachers uh to equip the saints for the work of ministry that's a often uh, misunderstood or maybe misused phrase um which sometimes i think either devalues the work of professional ministry or, on the other hand, uh, tries to make everyone think that just by being a member of the church, you're you're supposed to be also a church worker on the side. So yeah. these roles, these gifts, I, I think it's good for us to understand them in their proper context.
1: Yeah. So he gives all these, these let's say, titles, uh, first and foremost, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, um. You know, so, some of these uh, we we have to kind of, I guess, make educated guesses at in terms of exactly what Paul's referring to. I mean, apostles is very clear, right? We've got the 12 apostles whom Christ gave, who uh, at Pentecost, right, poured out his spirit on, and they then began to preach the gospel, and, and they and then went out to 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 start and and uh, to i suppose continue christ's work christ working through them to establish the church prophets um there's some debate about this and and for the sake of our discussion today uh, we probably don't need to go too deep into prophets uh, or evangelists which are both likely uh offices or 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 people perhaps that christ gave that um for a particular time in the early church, but let's let's look at shepherds and teachers, or or shepherd teachers, um, depending on how you take the grammar. But this is definitely referring to the ongoing uh, office of the holy ministry, right? At, that Christ gives. So, um, you know, your pastor is a gift of Christ to you who are a member of Christ's body, um, and, but not because of himself. if if you will, not because, I mean, I hope he's a good pastor, right? We all want good pastors. Um, Not because he has particular aptitude for being a pastor, but because he is the pastor given for a particular reason. And that's uh, verse 12. Why does Christ give apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, in order to complete or equip the saints, for the work of ministry a public service of the word and for building up or edifying right think of like constructing a building right Uh, firming up the foundation of a building building up the body of christ Uh, let's go back to equip the saints real quick because esv has equip which is fine but that word i think is maybe better understood as like complete Uh, it has a a similar root to the to the word that jesus says on the cross when he says to tell it is finished that's it is complete it is fulfilled that's kind of what this word is getting at um it, it could have been used for like restoration or for furnishing or for preparation um or training or maturation as sometimes is used now but it's very interesting in the septuagint which is the greek translation of the hebrew old testament in the septuagint the word here that we translate Equip or complete that is used uh, seven times to describe the rebuilding of Jerusalem or the Jerusalem temple Um, So that's that's kind of the picture we should have here of what? Christ giving pastors in order to do right to 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 build up Who the the holy temple of Christ which is the body of Christ his church that is all of his his dear Christians together and the purpose of all that is what Paul gets at in verse 13 then. So he gives the, the, the office of the ministry or, or the, the pastors, the people who are bringing his word to the world um, for these reasons, equipping the saints, uh, work of ministry, building up the body of Christ, with the result that we would all arrive at or attain to the unity of the faith? And there's that unity, that concordia, unity right a a an agreed a united confession a united teaching of and and praising and confessing of what who god is and what he has done for us so that's uh you of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature or complete or perfect manhood that is to like be like the the the, the humans that God has created us to be, right? And we, we when will this happen? Well, this will happen in, in the end. But but in the meantime, the preaching of the word happens so that we would uh, be carried along and built up and 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 delivered to this desired goal of of Christ, mature manhood, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's a beautiful passage here about what Christ is up to the ascended Christ uh, what he is up to through his church and through the preaching of the word in his church is that he is he is working on all of us in order to uh, make us to be true men and when I say men I don't mean males but like human beings tr- true men complete men uh, fulfilling uh, the image of God uh, that he, that God has given to us when he, he made us and called us into Christ.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I, I understand that too, right? Cause this is a, he also, the Paul talks about, you know, the fullness of Christ being in us. And that really does speak to just what you're saying about becoming who God has designed us to be, which isn't of course going to be perfect until the new heavens and the new earth. But right. until then, we're on that journey. We're walking like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So uh, let's – so in the second part uh, of this we're getting into, it's the new life. But finishing up this first part, he says so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Boy, that's that's something that we've struggled with for a long time, continue to. But then we start yep. up with 15. He says, but rather – speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love of course that was the point you were making
1: yeah absolutely yeah i mean this is this is god's desire for us is um you know to 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 kind of go back a little bit to, to what we were talking about in the first half of the hour that we wouldn't just kind of keep on keeping on in our uh, simple lives. And, you know, I mean, believing the gospel, but, you know, what what's the point of life? I guess just to kind of get to the end and keep on trusting Christ, but more or less do what I kind of want to do. No, it's 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 that that we he, he's calling us to to listen to his word to 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 li- and in, in listening to his word, that word is working in us and 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 leading us and and bringing us to to continue to to be a a body together, right? And uh, striving, I suppose, to 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 continue to listen to his word that we might all work together properly just as a, a, you know, we, I'm getting older and, uh, I can tell you all about how body, the body starts to not always work together properly. Right. And, uh, <laughs> uh we, but this is what we want is is it, we, we, we know how, how that is not good for our own body. Well, likewise, the body of Christ It is not a, a good thing to see that the body of Christ not working together properly. But how does it work together properly? Why? Well, by being by being worked on by, by Christ himself through his word. Well, in Christ,
0: of course, you know, we, we die to our sin. We rise to a newness of life. And in the following verses for the rest of this chapter, Paul talks a little bit about what it looks like to be in that new life. I'm going to read verses 17 all the way through the end of the chapter through 32. and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you and that's where it ends with the forgiveness of christ so uh yeah so way back at the top i know that was a big chunk but um lead us through this right because we see this, this again. You must a command to quit sinning, quit walking as the Gentiles do. Because even though the Gentiles are included in the promise, it doesn't mean that their uh, secular uh, way of life, the vulgar way of life, is the way for you. Take us through it.
1: Yeah. So uh, this this whole there is de- there is definitely a turn here. Um, I think it's good to. Still consider like 17 through 24. So the first half of what was read, this kind of whole discussion about no longer walking as the Gentiles do, as still somewhat Paul coming at this notion of being rather than doing or acting. Um, certainly there's always a a, a part of the the doing or acting that's there, because you could to 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 be, you have to to live as God has called you to be and what do you what has he called us christians to be well to be his to be those who live and order our lives according to his will and not according to the you know the ways of the world if we can put it that way and that's that's this walking as the gentiles do um that that paul is getting at that is walking in a in a godless way true godless way and instead turning back to, you know, the worship of idols and, and all of the, you know, depraved and and sinful activities that come with that. So in, in 17, he says this, I say and testify solemnly affirm in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That's, that's the key, right? It's wrong thinking that word futility in the Septuagint is, is vanity, right? Think of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, vanity, of vanity all is vanity it's also um in the used in the second commandment in connection to idolatry so that's that's the kind of thing that god has called us away from is worshiping idols which are vain right uh, that that kind of description of idols shows up multiple times in the scriptures that is these idols are empty they can not really they can't do anything for us luther you know famously puts in the large catechism uh about the first commandment what is it to have a god well to have a god is it, your your god is whatever you look to for all good well um, the gentiles and and we in our sins any 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 of us who uh, are in our sins we we aren't looking to god uh the true god for good but instead we're thinking something else is going to give me good well what What are the things that the the Gentiles looked to for good? well they look to false gods and what do those false gods demand of them and i suppose offer to them well they offer pleasure they offer um you know e- easy money I suppose if you will um and uh, all sorts of of wickedness and the the problem with this is that once you once you start ordering your life in this way, uh, these these false gods demand more and more of you. And so it's it's so easy to, instead of being on walking on, you know, being on the journey that the path that God has given us, a path lighted by His word, instead, uh, one finds oneself on a, a different path, a path that that leads to to more and more wickedness which is bad enough but also in that wickedness then we we grieve the holy spirit as paul will um exhort against uh at the end of this section and we we grieve the holy spirit we find ourselves outside of christ and that's a terrible terrible thing uh, for the, the cheap chief reason that that means uh, we are we are no longer saved we are no longer confident of salvation in christ
0: now, uh, I just got an email, and I'm, I'm going to get a little sound effect one day, so I can be like, ding, ding, email, but I haven't done that <laughs> yet. But I just got an email from Ron from St. Louis, um, and he says, uh, and this has been a few minutes, so maybe it's been answered by now, but he says, I'm a little confused. Is the guest saying that these words are not also law for us in the sense of the map and guide? So I guess he's talking about third use of the law. How would you answer that for him?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, God is going to I mean time any anytime a word is is tell is teaching us to do something, it is God's law. it is law, right? So if God says do this, it's law or don't do this um so so that's certainly there. and so so yeah, as as Christians we're going to hear this and we're going to to recognize um for example, right. The, the stuff we're talking about right now, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Um, is, is God telling us not to walk as the Gentiles do? Yes, he absolutely is. Um, and so that is that is law. I, I guess the distinction I'm trying to make is not to think that, for earlier in particular, I suppose, not to think that this is just a big list of instructions. Okay, so you've been saved by Christ, now get to it. But instead, it's, a, it's, it's more descriptive, at least in part, of how we have been made. Or maybe another way to think about this is that the law does not empower us to keep the law.
0: Mm. Yes, okay. But the yeah, gospel
1: right. does, right? And so uh, when we talk about the third use of the law, that is the law as guiding us the way God would use that, by his holy spirit to teach us how to live. Um certainly he's doing that, but the the way we're going to live that way is not by saying, "Oh, I better get to it," but instead saying g- g-, well, not even it's not even saying, it's it's knowing, believing that I in Christ am a new man. And that's what Paul's up to is is reminding the Ephesians and us of of their their new manness, <laughs> how they've been made new. By their baptism into Christ, right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, etc. So, I, I I hope that answers the question. I'm, I'm I, not
0: I think it to, I think it yeah. does because it reminds me of one of the things I do, and and you might do this too with your with your catechumens, and that is when we talk about the Ten Commandments. It certainly is a you know, Thou shalt and Thou shalt not. But in Christ, it's really a description of what it looks like to be in him. You don't have other gods. You honor your parents and those in authority. You don't steal. You don't murder. Is that at least kind of along the same lines?
1: Sure, yeah. And at the same time, we also hear that. And in faith, we say, and I, boy, I stink at these things too, right? (laughs) And I totally transgress this law. So that's, so the law is always working. The law is always showing us our sin. Always. That's what it does. Always. That's the primary thing the law does. But then, of course, as Christians, it also guides us into the way that Christ would have us be as in terms of how we do things. I think
0: that's great. Well, let's uh, let's let's dig a little bit left. We're getting really close to the end of our time together. Um, Maybe just a little clarity, because now I know that you're trying to direct it away from sort of just a list of do's and don'ts. And I and I think that approach is the right way for sure. But one thing I've always heard is some confusion from folks over things like 26. Be angry, uh-huh. but do yeah. not sin. You know, that kind of stuff. I, maybe just real quick, what does that mean? And then 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So everything we say always has to be for building up. Now, I, I know this actually probably speaks to your point, but but
1: just clear that up for folks who might have some questions. Yeah, so consider, Let's let's back up one verse to 25 then. So, what does Paul say? Therefore, so all, everything I've said, therefore, having put away falsehood, and that is having put away the things that are false and living as those who are living in truth, right? That is in Christ. Let Then let each one of you, etc. cetera. And so we move from this kind of primary emphasis on our state of being to acting, right? Change in behavior that, that, that Christ is calling us to because of who we are. So be angry and do not sin now that, yeah, that's a, that's a classic one. Um, that's Psalm, uh, that Paul's kind of mashing up Psalm four verse four and Deuteronomy 24, 15 here, here's Psalm four verse four, be angry and do not sin, ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Um, so I think it, it don't, we should hear this as not permission to be angry. Um, but instead a call to, in our anger, uh, watch out if you will right recognizing that yeah anger comes um and uh if wrongs are done we see wrongs done to others or to ourselves and anger may come um but but at the same time that, that the the fruit of that anger we ought to be careful to avoid and if in fact we find ourselves uh you know falling into sin because of that anger right um, this this exhortation is to, to not let the sun go down on our anger. Um, the church has a beautiful service, a prayer office at the close of the day called Compline. It's in Lutheran service book. And at the beginning of that prayer office, there's this, this lovely uh, confession and absolution. But it's different than what we're kind of used to, like in the divine mm-hmm. service, when we confess our sins and then the pastor in the stead and by the command of Christ announces the forgiveness of sins and reminds us and applies that forgiveness to us again. But instead in Compline, it's actually a mutual confession and absolution. So the, the pastor or it, it, whoever is leading that the prayer office confesses his sins and then the rest of those, the body of Christ gathered, the brothers and sisters gathered uh, speak the words of forgiveness and then it reverses and the, and the, the, Everyone there, else there, speaks uh, the confession of sins, and then the 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 leader of the prayer office uh, announces the absolution, and that's kind of what we're getting at here. Paul's getting at here is that this is kind of this bearing with one another. This is this life together aspect of of being a Christian, which is that in our sins we ought to be. Uh, uh, being reconciled one to another. And he doesn't use those words there, but that's kind of what's behind this. Otherwise, the result is that it gives opportunity to the devil, right? That the devil is going to want to tempt us to to be angry and to let the fruits of our anger spill out. And and uh, he's going to then use those things to, to to harm us and maybe even our brothers or sisters in Christ even more likewise like 28 right i mean this is pretty straightforward law if you're if you're a thief stop stealing right Right, that's what he's saying but rather labor um let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up right the the, 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 these are these are things that we as christians now ought to be doing because of who we because of who we are
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's a Probably a great way to end it because I know we could dig into this forever and even go back. But, you know, a nice good overview and you did a great job. I'm so glad to have you on. I hope you come back again and do some more for us. Glad to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Well, folks, I tell you what, you know, I was very pleased with uh, Reverend uh, Sherman's explanation of this because sometimes this is tough. It's hard for us to get our minds around, you know, how we can be. Uh, you know, both sinners and justified at the same time. We struggle with our sins, but we keep falling into it. And that leads us into despair. But where it should lead us is to Christ and the forgiveness and the strength that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. Folks, in tomorrow's episode, the Reverend Roger Mullet joins me as Paul's conversation turned towards life in the household of believers. So the apostle encourages Christians to imitate God by living as children of the light. And now he's bringing up sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenities. He instructs wives to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ, but then to husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, that is, be self-sacrificing. Paul tells them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to thank God for our time together today. I can't wait to see it tomorrow. So until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all. As we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.